Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Russell online at WRQK.com. Fantone, buddy, yeah. I uh, I don't even need mirrors to tell me I'm fat anymore. Okay. No, I because uh, here's here's the thing. You know how I know I'm fat? How do you know you're fat? Everybody I know is hitting me up to buy Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody who listens to the program, like they're all selling the cookies for their kids and have now hit me up and like, dude, you want the Samoas? We know you want the you Samoas. Do. We got the Samoas. Samoas Thin Mints, <laughs> they got them all, baby. For they those got of you that don't know, the Samoas are the, are, are, are the coconut yeah. cookie there with the with the chocolate bottom there, a little caramel. I'm not a cookie expert. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly the combination of said uh, set ingredients. But here's the weird thing about those: I'm not even like a coconut person. Like I don't even like coconut all that much. But those cookies are so good, and you put them. Just in the refrigerator, just a little bit. Harden them up just a little bit. Samoas and Thin Mints oh. are so good that Walmart has a knockoff version available year-round of those two cookies. They're the only what? Girl Scout ones that have them. Yeah, like, you can't go, like, E.L. Fudge or, like, you know, Keebler doesn't make it, but, like, Walmart generic, that great value brand, has a knockoff Thin Mint and a knockoff Samoa cookie. They're available year-round. I did not know about the knockoff Samoa. And they're delicious, dude. Like, they're really? legit delicious. Uh, Girl Scout cookies, now here's the thing, is they do not need... My advice here, because they obviously do this on a yearly basis. I think they're pretty successful with things like so they don't. But like no oversaturation going on there. But why do they do this in January? Like, isn't this the worst possible time to be no. slanging cookies? No, I get what you're saying. You're thinking New Year, New Me. New Year, New Me. People. I decide I'm not eating it. Like, I'm not doing it. You'd get me in June. If you're standing outside in June and you got some little cookies, and I'm like, hell yeah, dude, I don't care about being fat. I think you're overestimating the people that stick to the New Year, New Me. Okay. It's, uh, it's already the 11th. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm telling you, I, into it. I think January is probably the best month to be on the cookie to be a cookie peddler. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I guess because if you think about it, you're walking out of Giant we- Eagle and you've got like kale and you've got carrots and you've got like and you've got like all this stuff that you don't want. All this eat. is healthy. One box of cookies isn't right. going to kill me. And then there's some eight year old girl. Hey, right. Mister, you want to buy cookies? Stansbury knocks her over, just turning her upside down, shaking house. the extra cookies out of her pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I think January is probably the smartest month ever to sell yeah, the cookie. It's probably a breaking point, too. You And then all of a sudden, you open up that thing of Thin Mints, and dude, that smell hits you in that face. You get the first one in your mouth, and the next thing you know, you're back up there spending 50 bucks with that game. Yeah, they're so good. They are pretty good. They're so good. They're so good that, that the coffee creamer that's like flavored that way even tastes good. I, uh, I'm glad we bring up you know you being fat here. Like I think this is good, because in the in the opening, it says, you know if we didn't give him a job, he'd probably be dead anyway. And I've been concerned about you recently. Recently, now that you've gotten a little bit of the shut the mother down, now that you've, you know, kind of New Year, New Stansberry. Well, you should have seen it yesterday. Well, do you feel like you, your chest is still bothering you? Because sometimes I'm like, dude, is this guy going to die? Like, is this is this dude going to croak? And then you'll be like, oh, my chest, I think I'm going to die. So I've been halfway through, like between like a cold recently, okay. and, and I thought there was some of like chest stuff going on with that. Okay. Um, but no, I think I'm heavy. I think, okay. I think, <laughs> All right. And that's, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm worried about no, you. No, Vegas, I mean, when I went to Vegas for the holiday, yeah. I went on a tear. I mean, I ate everything. Um, I had Jack in the Box because we can't get that here. I had In-N-Out because we can't get that here. Cafe Rio was just like their Chipotle, which is like a West Coast Chipotle thing, which was so good. I had that like four times. I, I'm sure even the, the meals you had with your family oh, were probably indulgent. Right, oh, dude, extra, Christmas you know, dinner right. was like four different versions of pasta, right. a lasagna on top of the other four versions of pasta. I mean, yeah, it was just nothing but noodles. Okay, so over the top the entire time off. And I'm telling you, you come back and you're like, dude, I don't know, my heart feels like I'm going to die. 
Right. I just, are, I mean, now that you've you know dieted for a little bit, you feeling better? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit better. Although I met All a buddy right. of mine for lunch yesterday. He was like, dude, he's like, let's go to lunch, and yeah. he's like, I haven't been to this Macho Nacho place. Should go. And so yeah, I went. We you know I took him yesterday. We went to you know Busman where uh, where that is. And dude, they've added a burrito now, so I had that, and then I had like a little bit of the mac and cheese. I got it because I was like, well, he has to try it, right? And so, <laughs> like, dude, so, sacrifice and lay down on the. So I got it, him. and then gave him like a spoonful and a half on his side of the thing, and then I took the rest of it. <laughs> Ate it. He has to try it, but I need to eat the rest of it. And then do the cornbread, which was really good. So like I so now since I've been home, I've had like the two like gluttonous meals. I had the George's sandwich Mm -hmm. at first Friday, and I had then that lunch yesterday. But today again, um, I I was doing fine. But then somebody asked me to go to lunch, and like this, I can't eat with other people because they just they want to take you to places. And I understand. I know what somebody's going to say. Just order something off the menu. That's fine. Great. That's for people who can do that. I don't know how to do that. Do you feel? Like, is your problem going out or your problem is going out with people? You know what I'm saying? People. So you're afraid that you're going to go and you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I'll take the I'll take the salad with the grilled chicken and the light Italian and they're going to judge you? I find no, 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 no. It's not judgment. I don't care at all about that. Okay. It's, it, it's I find people don't want to go places where you can get excellent, healthy food. Uh, now, at the end of the day, yes. I mean, you're not going to, you know, not everyone's going to want to go somewhere that's that. But at the same time, there's a healthy option everywhere. I can't. That's Literally what I'm saying. Everywhere. I can't do it. If you take me to the place that has boneless chicken wings, I'm getting boneless, boneless chicken, chicken wings. wings. Okay. I can't because I feel like if you're going to eat, they make delicious food better than I can make delicious food at home. But you can make healthy food at your house that's every bit as good as like healthy food that you'll get at a restaurant. It's yeah. easier made. It is it's it's more oh it's almost all more prepared or closer to prepared when you buy it at the store than like making something like really savory and really good at home. Yes, it can be done, but restaurants are fantastic at so it. So the fact that you're not deep frying mac and cheese is the reason why you can't have a salad. I don't know. I don't. I, don't I know. that's. I, it's just. It's one of those things where it's like if I'm here and I'm going to spend money, then let me get something I would actually want versus like when I go to the grocery store and and normally it's boredom or or and, and getting sick of like the healthy options that I know how to make is what drives me to a restaurant. Now yesterday what I should have done is just went there had two tacos and been like okay th- there's lunch, but I don't know how to do that. I'm like an alcoholic with the food, dude. It's like one of those things and then like I always talk about this people will come up to me and go, "Dude, you're not that fat." And people always say to me, like, dude, you're not fat. You're the same size as me. And I have to be the guy that tells you, dude, you're fat. Like, if I'm the same size as you, you're a fat dude. When I, I mean, go look at pictures of when I started this job. I was 219 pounds. Well, you were malnourished at that point. Poverty's a pretty decent diet plan. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold you up to those standards. All I'm going to say is that, like, yes, 100%. People that come up to you are like, ah, oh, you're not that big. And it's like, well, look at all of us. We're all standing here fat. Yeah, no, in Ohio, I'm not that big. But in, like, you know, in coastal cities and, like, and you go to Los Angeles, we would be considered to be obese. I think doctors would probably agree. <laughs> like, less about California, more about like healthcare professionals being like, dude, you're 30 pounds overweight. Nobody cares about healthcare professionals. <laughs> it's it's the judgment of cooler people than you. Nobody cares about the white coats. People care about the cool, trendy like newsmakers of the day. That's Los Angeles and New York, and we'd be considered huge there. So yeah, I feel fine, and like I'm ba- I'm gonna be back on it again today. The weekend's hard, man. Like it's hard to be just sitting around sometimes all week. So as I'm looking ahead. 
ahead of tomorrow being Friday. Like it's hard sometimes to make it like those 72 hours. I feel like when I'm going to work and I got like a system every day that keeping routines is very, very easy. Once I'm on like a couple of day break, it's like, well, do you break from everything else? Oh, yeah. You lose momentum and all of a sudden it's like all that forward progress that you made. It's all for not. Yeah. For not. Luckily for you, we're uh, we're going to take care of some of your problems, maybe not the obesity, but some of the financial ones, as we're hooking you up with $1,000 every hour on the program, and your first opportunity is right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 1069. Russell online at WRQK.com, where I started my morning out by watching this video. And uh, I don't know why I'm going to tell you to watch it because it's almost ruined my whole Thursday. Is there's this teen in Louisiana who's walking two dogs, looks like home, back to his house. And he's got them on the leash. And then near the end of the walk, he just picks them up by the rope and swings them around like three, four times Jeez. and then whips them into the middle of the road. And you can actually hear them like yelp in pain as it's going down, obviously, is that's not the appropriate way to treat a dog. And, you know, so th- I-, I found a video where there's a news story and then they show you like the cell phone video inside that news story. And like, I don't have a dog right now because I-, I-, I can't have one in the apartment. Where I'm living, although I do have an appointment to look at a house early next week uh, that I'm thinking about renting, and uh, it's got a fenced-in backyard, and that's one of the reasons is because I'm I would really like to get a dog. And dude, if you're a dog person like me, you watch that, and it's just disgusting. I just oh, dude, that's not right. That's not you shouldn't do. That's not right. Thing I don't understand about animal abusers, like I'm not trying to like justify abusing a child or anything like that, but like. When you have a kid, you're kind of stuck with that kid. And, like, no matter what, there's that kid. And, like, you can't just be like, ah, kid, go out in the street and never see you again. With, like, a dog, like, if you don't want, if you want to abuse your dog, if you're like, damn, dude, this dog's pissing me off, I hate this thing, let it go. You know what I'm saying? It's not about not wanting the animal. It's, it's, it's like the same thing when people say rape isn't about sex, and it's not. It's about power. And this is about... Young boys do kind of have this thing. Not that you're all going to swing a puppy around your head, but you do have this thing where you're like, where you realize you're you're a powerful thing, and you can and you can have power over other things. And so, as in your adolescence, while you're growing up, you kind of are always butting up against that line of figuring out how to handle your masculinity and your power and your strength, and. There is something about boys growing into men where you feel like you need to show that off in some manner. And depending on what your environment was and how you were raised, you were going to exert that properly or not. And this, so I mean, it's got nothing to do about the fact that I don't want this dog. It's about you being in charge and you having power and control. That's what it's about. Even like, even like situations where people. You know, you get seven dogs in your house and you're abusive to all of them. Even as an adult, you feel like that's all just going back to. Oh, I think a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, do I know everything? No. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I, I, I would tell you that it, it's primarily about being in, in charge of something, control in something. And my guess is 
a therapist would tell you that you're feeling a loss of that in other places in your life, and so you're finding it here. But it's disgusting. Like we have that whole law here now, right? Like you, I mean, you'll be like seriously charged under the Goddard law, right? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what the, um, what the difference is there, but I know the Goddard law is something they talk about all the time. So. Well, they just charged somebody this last year under it, so I mean, I, I know it's, I, I know he pushed for harsher penalties of those things, but that video was, dude, that was a hard watch. It was, it was not the easiest thing I've ever seen. There's a piece of, um, of PR that's going to hit your newsfeed here in the next couple of hours and we're all going to laugh at it. We're all going to call it ridiculous and we're going to all say, how could you do that? But ultimately I think that this business is going to pick up a lot of consumers because of when the story will break wide. Okay. Now I don't know that I just assume it right. But Costco now where a woman walked in on the 4th of January with a dead Christmas tree and returned it and they gave her a full refund. Apparently Costco's got like a I didn't know this. I had no idea. I'm not I'm not currently a member. My ex was. We shopped there when she lived here and she no longer does, so I haven't been back since. But apparently they have like this really open-ended return program where it's like you can return anything. I guess there's a 90-day limit on electronics, which makes sense. But outside of that, you can pretty much bring anything back and they'll offer you a full refund. So the woman like put it to the test and returned a dead Christmas tree, and sure enough, they found out you bought this here, and they gave her her money back. They gave her a complete refund. I mean, I, I guess it, it maybe the argument of like, well, I bought this tree under the assumption that it was going to last X amount of days. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, it only lasted two weeks, and now it's dead, and like you sold me a bunk tree. Whether it was for, for my Christmas celebration or whether it's just because I want to have a tree in the household, like this didn't live up to my expectations, I guess. Ah, uh, that seems pretty flimsy to me. A man says, I saw the whole thing go down with my own two eyes. If I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe that someone had so little moral values or lack of conscience. I feel like that's pretty strongly worded for somebody returning something to a store. But they're exploiting the system. I mean, it's not a moral move, right? They're, I feel like, pretty reasonable for, for the company to turn back to you and say, no, we're not exchanging that. So I don't know if, if she's taking advantage of the system or if is Costco doing what I'm saying they're doing, which is we're going to do this because we know what's going to happen. Everything like this will go viral now, and now this will be an advertising campaign for us, essentially. Uh, like it, you, you got to wonder if that's not built in here. I feel like that's pretty strongly worded. It's it's a fool. I don't know. I, 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 you can't even call it foolish. She got her money back. So, you know, if we're going to use words for their actual meaning, foolish isn't the right word. Um, it's opportunistic. I, I just think it's it, it flies in the face of the intent of the policy. Oh, yes, for sure. It so, does. To me, that's like, well, you know, you're doing something wrong. The man claimed that Costco employees did confirm that she bought the tree at the store. Now, I don't understand that because it was a live Christmas tree because she returned it for being dead. So how did they know she bought it there? Have you got a receipt in a Christmas tree? That's probably enough, right? <laughs> Show me. Is it the right tree for this right. receipt? All right. Yeah, you're right. Probably, I'm probably getting a little far into it there. I was like, I don't think that they, I mean, maybe there's barcode stickers that they put. I, I doubt it. Um, he said she was shamed to a small degree, but wrote, I don't think it faced her because she has no conscience. Apparently, people in the store were kind of like, you know, had some things to say about it. I now I just I don't understand why they would do it outside of we know we're going to get pressed for it. And so we'll do it because then people will be like, man, that's the that's the kind of place you want to shop. Right. Otherwise, how are you making any money? 
If you if you're literally letting people return things that they've used past the point of when you can use it anymore, and you still take it back and give them their money? I, I guess Christmas trees are an exceptional case here. You know what I mean? Because most things you buy, most things you purchase aren't dying. You know what I mean? Like, So I think Christmas tree is probably a little bit different, and it's a seasonal thing. Um, but so if I open a pack of cookies and I eat half, can I go back and return it? I'm sure if you said, hey, there's, I don't like these cookies, there's something wrong with these cookies, I'm sure they're going to be like, yeah, here, have your, ha- you know, have your money back. I know that happens because a big part of, of, of and this is like... You know what I want to say, exploiting the system once again. People will go to a bakery that accepts EBT, like a, a grocery store or something okay. like that. I'll get a, a, a you know a specific birthday cake, you know, happy birthday, Matt, and I'll take one piece out of it. You are you pay for it with my EBT card. Take one piece out of it, take it back, be like, hey, there's something wrong with this, and they'll give me the cash back. You know what I'm saying? And really? they'll give me, yeah, and they'll give me cash back. And people will exploit that system of like, hey, they'll take anything back here as long as you bring it back say there's something wrong with it and they'll give you you know money instead of yeah i can't do that it's like i said i mean and you can say well it's not exactly immoral but it's like it's it goes against the intent of the policy i mean you're butting up against stealing a little right i mean that you totally are i I mean mean, yeah you're butting up against stealing i can't do that i can't complain about food in the restaurant i can't go back and return something because it didn't taste right like i just can't do it as far as like uh, food in a restaurant i've always viewed it as i want you to enjoy what you're having if something's wrong with it like say something you just don't have to be a dick about it yeah i just worry that no no matter what, that because of the mentality of of the American worker and my hand is raised, this is all of us, that I feel like no matter what the situation is, I'm going to be perceived as the dick, whether I was a dick about it or not. Because that's, I mean, what, this is what I was saying yesterday about people will always look to self-victimize. That guy was a dick to me. It's like, well, was he really? Or did he just tell you that the soup wasn't hot? I wonder if this Costco situation here, I wonder if this would have been a manager as opposed to an employee standing there or like, is this Costco like higher ups policy? Or was this just like a 19-year-old like, yeah, dude, sure. Here's, here's your $40 back. Leave me alone. You know, they don't say that. They they, they don't say it. I, I I'm... I just think it's interesting. Like this is, this is a good way to earn yourself more consumers. I would imagine if you get the reputation of being hassle free for for the people who are spending money with you, I think that that probably is going to lend itself to brand allegiance and and you know and store allegiance. Now I I could be I I have no idea, but uh, it would do that for me. But I'm a no-return kind of guy. Like, the one thing I'll return is clothing. If you buy something and you get it home and it doesn't look right or it doesn't fit right and you haven't worn it out yet and the tags are still on it, take it back and get something that fits. That's all well within the margin of error for me. But if I buy something at, like, the grocery store or something like that, I'm not taking it back. I just, I can't, I don't know. I just, there's something about it. I just, maybe I just don't want to have to do it and it's the hassle of it alone. We have an update on that standoff situation in Maslin the other day. We can uh, give you that next on Rock 106. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Online for you at WRQK.com. You can also hear us everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app, which also has all your favorite music, all your favorite stations, and it's all free. With the iHeartRadio app, you can type in the name of your favorite artist, get a station full of their biggest hits, and some similar artists to go along with it. Songs handpicked by real people, fellow music fans like I. As you thumb up or down, we personalize the station to fit you better. It's that easy. Type the name of an artist in. We'll go to work for you. We'll take over from there. All your favorite music, all your favorite stations, all free. Download our free iHeartRadio app today. Ding. Dude, Las Vegas strip flooded. Man. Flooded. It's crazy to see yesterday. Like, 
They have huge storm drainage systems built in downtown Las Vegas because of how little rain they get. It's it's weird. It's like one of those things where they've like overly prepared because they know that like it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, it's probably going to be bad. And it had been 116 days of no rain. And then all of a sudden, they got plenty of rain, and then it like flooded like underneath right where... Um, the Ferris wheel on the strip is like right underneath there, which is uh, again not that far from Top Golf there. So your boy was worried about that, but it like flooded the whole strip—not the whole strip, but it flooded parts of the strip. Like that's dude, that's bad. Yeah, anytime you see water like up, you know, over tire level on a car, it's like geez. But to see that like down the strip of Vegas, it was like in the whoa, desert. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa! I mean, did you see that video that Oprah had? She's walking around her house like she was like almost knee deep in mud. Like, no. I, oh yeah, no. Like her uh, because of all the, like the storms that are going on there. I get, I do. Multiple people have died. That's a story that's a little underreported right now. Is the California flooding again though? But I said about the fires back then too. Is because I think it's affecting a lot of rich people right now, and we don't care about them. I feel like if Oprah's neighborhood, if it was a bunch of poor people and it was flooding and the houses were knocking over, we'd be like, "Oh my God, it's terrible. We better do something about that." But it's a mansion, and we can never live there, so screw it. Let it wash away into the ocean, and that's totally who we are. Besides, it's Oprah anyway. She probably she probably intentionally did that to cover up the Harvey Weinstein evidence. So, see, did you see Seal took the bait on this? No, so, <laughs> I, did, I did not see this. Yeah, no, the uh, the musical artist known as Seal okay. posted all the memes yesterday and said, you know, when, when you've been part of the problem for a decade. And it seems to me like people's take on this is that Oprah Winfrey had interviewed enough celebrities to have known the rumors surrounding Harvey Weinstein. And again... Hollywood kind of, I mean, you know, Seth, uh, what's it, McFarland put some stuff in a couple of his shows surrounding Harvey. And there were, I remember Courtney Love had something to say about Harvey, but of course nobody believed her because her credibility wasn't the best. Right. And so, you know, not that you shouldn't believe people, but I mean, come on, let's be honest. You know, Courtney's got some issues there. And so not everybody's going to believe everything that comes out of her mouth. And it uh, turns out she ended up being right on this, though, which is why you should listen to people, I suppose. But like, I, so... I still maintain that I think it's possible that Oprah could hear a rumor and go, and we will never think like this because it doesn't happen to you and I, and it doesn't happen to all of us. But I think Oprah and, and other celebrities might go, yeah, but look at what everybody says about me. Like, like look what the tabloids are saying about me. Look what ex-girlfriends are saying about, look what ex-husbands are saying about me. Yeah. It's very yeah. easy to think, for me to think that what, what was happening there is people were looking just, in Oprah's mind, other, you know, famous people's minds, it was like, they're just looking to knock a guy down. And I, I don't know, like, okay, so Oprah has Ashley Judd on the Oprah show, and maybe she spends a half an hour before in the green room, and like, you know, they do their interview. I don't know if that's necessarily always going to turn into, like, hey. Hey, and by the way, did you hear about Harvey Weinstein? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't know if that conversation's happening. Just because Tom Cruise is there doesn't mean they're sitting around talking about all the sexual predators in Hollywood. Well, not only that, but it seems to me like that some people are making the accusation on Oprah that if she knew, she should have been the one to like do like an expose. 
Dude, Oprah's not an investigative journalist. And we're making the argument here. Oprah, one of the most powerful people in Hollywood and sure. therefore would know the, the things going on in Hollywood. I think you could make the exact same argument of, well, President Trump, one of the most powerful people in Hollywood, would have known. If Oprah would have known, he's just as powerful, right? In, in the world of media, in the world of entertainment, in the world, right? No. No. no nobody rivals her. No. Dude. No. Wow. I'm surprised the dude took a celebrity into being president. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's pretty powerful. But pe- uh, No, no, no. I think people leaned over to the president thing because of the business acumen and have been, been a businessman. I think the celebrity didn't hurt him. But Oprah, it's more powerful in the media world, it's not even close. Dude, Oprah's the most powerful broadcaster I think the world's ever known. And so, like, you can't put him in that arena. I just think that if she was powerful enough to know, he was powerful enough to know. He was in enough power circles to where he would have heard the same stories Oprah was hearing. So if Oprah was a part of the problem, he was a part of the problem, right? They're all part of the problem. I mean, like, we're starting to find out. Just because you're in Hollywood, you're part of the problem now, really? I think, well, do you think she didn't know? Um, do, do you know there's people in radio who have done terrible things? Yes. Yes. Are, are you a part of that problem? No. So. Well, some, but today though, that's interesting. I don't think I'm part of the problem, but today Twitter would think I was. Well, I guess living by your own standards more important than living by Twitter's standards, right? Well, no. Twitter standards are, seem to be your standards and seem to be everybody else's seem standards. Yeah, dude, you seem to align w- 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 with that leftist ideology that's on Twitter and that you should, that all things should come clean and that people should have to pay, you know what I mean? That if you know wrong, you should report wrong. If you know wrong, yes. Do I feel like well, you that's have an what obligation? I'm saying, Matt? Is that under and under my standards, I don't feel like I'm wrong, but I know there have been dudes who have done wrongdoing in radio, and so by what you just said, then they would think that I am part of the problem. Do I think that though? Are you you're not giving me credit for 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 having my own thoughts here? Of like, no, I don't think that you're a part of the problem just because you know somebody oh, did well, something this, bad. The statement right before was, if you know wrong, you should report it. You should. I don't think that makes you. I don't think that makes you a, 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 akin to rape, though. I think if you, you no. know what I'm saying? So, like, no. So, there's but, varying degrees here. No, yes, there are varying degrees, but are you complicit? Are you complicit in the sense of if, if, if are, are you responsible, I guess is what I'm saying. Are you responsible there? Do I think you should? Sure, yes. I think if, if you know something's wrong, but that doesn't make you guilty of... Well, she's not responsible. If she knew, she would not be responsible for said actions. But you could make the argument, and people are, and Twitter is where the argument gets made, is that if you don't I'll ring the alarm on it, that you have been complicit in it. You can't argue that. That's what they're saying. So, but I guess, I guess from my perspective, those, like I say, I'm trying to live by my standards as opposed to Twitter standards here. I think if you're looking at it as like, instead of just saying like, oh, all people on the left want this or all people on the right want this. If we're talking about what's genuinely going on here. No, I think you can know, suspect something happened and not be, comp- not, not be guilty of, 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 of accepting it. We agree there. I don't think Oprah is technically guilty of anything. I think what happened was, and I've said it before, I said it to start the breakout. Is that did she hear things about Harvey Weinstein? Sure. But when you run in those circles and it's people's jobs, livelihoods and paychecks depend on throwing dirt on celebrity. I think those people have lived through it and are assuming that that's what's happening to somebody else because they've been through it. And it's because, dude, you and I and the rest of us in the world are not on magazine covers at the checkout counter at the grocery store that we forget that. And so I think that there's people thinking that Oprah was 
wringing your hands together going, Harvey's raping chicks, and I know about it, and I'm not going to tell anybody. It's crazy. First of all, she's such a savvy broadcaster. You think Oprah wouldn't have given you the story? You think Oprah didn't? So let me get this straight. The most powerful media woman in the world, media person, rather. There's no men that even rival. They're not even close. She's the most powerful media person there is. She had her own show. She didn't want it for sweeps. You kidding me? She let this break after she's done? That's your take. I think that's crazy. And I think you don't understand the ratings life and what it does to you and what you constantly think about to continue to make your program better, the most viewed, the most consumed. You're you're not giving enough credit to that. If she had it, she would have wanted it exploded on her set. More Stansberry Show and $1,000 up for grabs next. Hang on. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.69. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9, online for you at WRQK.com, and have $1,000 headed your way momentarily. It seems like everybody's uh, focus right now seems to be with the Browns, because all, you know some of the movement Dorsey's making, and some of the, you know, uh, he's bolstering his GM office and all that. But the Indians making moves too, lost Carlos Santana, and now you losing yesterday, free agent outfielder Jay Bruce to a three-year $39 million deal with the New York Mets. Now it seemed like most people I follow on Twitter, most sports people, and media people around the area seem to think, or it seemed to me that the theory was, we're going to move Kipnis to keep Jay Bruce. And that seemed to be like a lot of what people wanted to have happen. I, if I'm reading this right, this was a Jay Bruce decision. And I said to Fantone before the show started this morning, off the air, I said the guy went for three years, $39 million. The Indians obviously, or at least I assume they could have matched. But the guy went back, and he not only did he leave the Indians... But he left to go back to the team where he came from. So to me, I don't know what that says, but I think it says something. I think it, it, it either says something about the Indians organization, where what their chances are for next year, or does it just say something about Jay Bruce going, you know what, dude, maybe it's my, I don't know if he's married or not. Maybe it's his wife going, dude, get me back to New York. Maybe it's as simple as that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's you have no idea what factors into people's decisions, I guess. Um, but to 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 look at what's happened in the off season and just be like, eh, everything's fine as an Indians fan is incredibly naive. I mean, you've lost two of the biggest bats that you have on the team. You've yes. got an aging Michael Brantley who can't stay healthy, and I don't think he's going to be able to play until. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to start the season off with the team. You've got Jason Kipnis, who's just getting older and older and older. And, I mean, I know Jay Bruce isn't necessarily a young dude, but, I mean, at age 30, he's still out there, you know, producing serious numbers. So, I know he was a shot in the arm for the positive for this club. For sure. 100% when they brought him in. I know, you know, two years ago or two seasons ago, it just felt like the Indians were inevitable. It just felt like this is happening, you know, they coming high off the Cavaliers' victory, and it just felt like now is the time. But I think it goes to show you, number one, how fickle sports are. Baseball especially. A season's so long. And, 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 and number two, how special a championship run is. I mean, let alone a championship victory, but a championship run is a special thing. And just because you did it last year doesn't mean you're going to be entitled to it again. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know Jay Bruce can look at it as like, well, am I going to win in New York? And But he just got bounced out of the first round of the playoffs. So he probably doesn't feel like he can win in Cleveland either. Well, they're saying... Yahoo's saying that he made the move because he's he's going to be automatically back in contention now with them. That apparently they feel like the Mets have a better shot to make you know a run 
than the Indians do next year. The Indians are definitely going to have to get a bat. I mean, a couple of bats probably at this point where it's like you just can't. And the Indians have, have, have great pitching. There's no question about it. But it just seems like, I don't know, it seems this offseason, and I guess the last couple of offseasons for all of our sports have felt this way, but it just feels very, like, uncertain. Everything feels very up in the air. This, to me, I think is telling. I don't know what it says. And, again, I don't follow the sport enough to know, like, the rumors and, like, the in and outs and guys working together and cohesiveness and that. But to me, if you come to a place and, I mean, do you lost Carlos Santana, don't get me wrong, big piece. Right, but the rest of the roster is still what the roster was, and you were pretty damn good last year. And you're for not like it doesn't seem like a ton of money, but you're lured back easily. I want to know what that says about what's going on in the Indians locker room and what's going on in the thing. Maybe it's not. Like I said, maybe it's as simple as his wife going, "Dude, get me out of here. I don't want to live here anymore. Get me back to New York." It could be that. I don't know. But it, to me, it feels like, dude, if you run right back to your ex boyfriend. After coming here because you thought the grass was going to be greener over here and went back there, what are you running from here? I, I wonder, is there, are there things that are going on that we don't know that haven't started to seep out yet? Now, maybe that's just me wanting a thicker story because of what I do for a living. Maybe that's, you know, I would always admit that I, I do kind of always want that. I mean, yes, we all have this, I think, um, idea with the Indians that, oh, boy, look at that locker room. It's so much fun. They're just having fun out there, playing well together. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, every player feels that they want to be a part of that or that it really exists. I mean, a big part of that is us watching and being and like, oh, I remember playing T-ball. I remember being eight years old. Look, right. at, look at Frankie. He's out there having fun. Um, no, they're not. It, it could be his wife. It could be as easy as like, yo, I think I have a better chance to win here. But no, it's something. To, to say that, ah, no, nah, it's not a bit. To, yeah, it's nothing. It's to me, naive. To me, it feels like, ah, dude, I came here and thought I was going to try it. And then I recognized all of this stuff. And I, to me, it screams, I want out of here. But I could be I, I could be way overthinking it. Again, I don't follow baseball the way I do football. So I have no idea. But to me, it feels like, get me the hell out of this jersey. We have $1,000 up for grabs. Your next opportunity is right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show on Rock 106.9, online for WRQK.com. I'm pretty excited. My buddy Larry just texted me. He was like, dude, I got us our Colt 4 tickets. Ooh. Yeah, Colt 4 Saturday, March 31st there. Nice. And, dude, my buddy Larry is like one of the biggest country fans you will ever meet in your life. And uh, if you're going to that show with the Dusty, you'll see us. We'll be easy to spot, I would imagine. I'm guessing here. Larry being 6'6", 300 pounds in black. My guess, he's going to be pretty easy to spot at a Colt Ford show. I don't know that. There's a lot of rap going on at Colt Ford music, so I don't know. But I'm just, you know, maybe I'm playing into stereotypes there, but I, I would I would guess we'd be easy to spot. I would guess so as well. Dude, that's a Saturday night show. Oh, yeah. Little oh, Colt yeah. Ford, Dusty A. Oh, I, yeah. Dude, that's going to get out of hand quickly. Larry worked in the concert venue business forever. I mean, dude, he worked at the Agora and Peabody's, and uh, he's done some stuff at Blossom. So he's tied into the music scene really well, too. So he's got a bunch of good friends that work in bars, work in the music thing. So, dude, that night will quickly get out of hand. I love Colt Ford, dude. Like, he's not the greatest at what he does. Like, no. You know what I mean? But there's just something fun about it. To give him some hot beef. He's genuine and um I don't know, he he plays his role well. He knows what yeah. he's supposed to be and he does it. He used to be a professional golfer, Colt Ford. I would uh I that would be a good day. 
hitting the links with Colt and like a 12-pack of beer, I'm willing to bet that would be a fun round of golf. If you're somebody that doesn't necessarily love bro country, but you're looking for like newer country that you can get behind, Colt Ford's probably on that list. Yeah, he's not the worst. He's pretty good at it. I enjoy him. That show will be fun. The, the thing about him, though, is, is that he knows he can't sing a lick. So, like, he'll kind of rap as you're hearing that in the background there. And then he'll get, like, a, like he gets, like, stars to, like, sing the hooks. I mean, he got Tim McGraw. He's got Darius Rucker. Jason Aldean's on multiple tracks. And so, like, I, I'm sure he brings a guy on tour that does those parts. It's just going to, you know what I mean? It would be cool if it was going to be all those guys with him. But I'm very excited about that show. And um, my liver is already, already pretty worried about it. Larry can drink quite a bit. So NBC already under fire now because the Super Bowl coming up here um, was it February third, fourth, somewhere around there, I think it is. And NBC has vowed to televise the national anthem protest if there are any during the Super Bowl anthem. And so boy, uh, boycotts, and by boycotts I mean personal people on Twitter saying they're not going to watch it. Um, now NBC saying, look, when you're covering a live event, that's exactly what you're doing. You're covering a live event. True. All right? And so you are there to cover what happens from it. It says, we do not plan to shy away from it. When you're covering a live event, you are covering what's happening. It says, if there are players who choose to kneel, they will be shown live. And as mad as you are about the fact, and as much as you're going to say, NBC, fine, thanks for telling me early, I don't have to watch it. Okay? I know that there are some of you out there who are saying that and will not watch it. All right? I'm not naive. But let's, to the rest of you, let's be honest. You know why NBC is going to show you this? It's not because of their anti-American views. It's because they know you want to see it so you have a reason to be angry. And so NBC is going to show you the thing that you want to watch, even though you say you don't, because what you really want is a reason to be angry. And so, of course, NBC is going to show it to you. Of course, I don't. I don't know. I watched a couple of playoff games this weekend, but I didn't like watch it, and I didn't. I don't feel like I did a lot of homework on them. Did anybody in any of these playoff games, Neil? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm because I, I didn't watch a lot of playoff um, stuff th- thus far. I uh, being a cord cutter and the like. Th- that being said, I mean. It's not the story that it was. It's, it's not. It's not like, hey, every week here's but another, you know. This is the game. If you if I would imagine that the players all season have had conversations about what might happen here and they're keeping it to themselves. I think this is if 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 it took it was the storyline of the NFL this year, and I think it would be almost awkward if there wasn't a representation somehow of it at the Super Bowl. Now, I think a lot of people who are anti-protest would say that that's a big win. That it's like, yeah, you started it in the season and now look, by the biggest game of the year, now it's it's nowhere to be found. They're going to view that as a win, and it would be. But I think it's crazy. Does Pink do anything inside her performance? Because she's singing it. Um, Does she bring like live, like people part of her entourage as like like faux audience members that kind of do something. I, I would I would assume not. I would assume that the NFL has probably said to her, like, hey, this is a part of your contract. This is, but like, 
They don't do it for their players. I don't know why necessarily I'm, they would do it for their entertainers, but... I mean, we all thought Gaga was going to go crazy with it last right, year. Right, And she did that one little thing that could be perceived as a dig to the president, but outside of that, it was much to do about nothing. Right. And the performance was awesome when she jumped off the top, and dude, she was great. Dude, Lady Gaga, by the way, what a phenomenal performer. I, you might not like her as a person, but geez, as a performer, dude, she's lights out fantastic. Pink is like one of my favorite... I, I love her. Like, I love her. And so, all, ever since they announced it was her, I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Now people are going to be all on me because they know I love her and she's going to do, because she is kind of one of these where she's kind of like, I guess she has been saying she wants to raise her kids without genders and she kind of, she is a little SJW. She is. And so, like, you got to wonder if she's not going to build some of this in. I, I mean, I, I, I guess until that happens, you know, it, it's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to like string that around her neck right now of like, well, she's going to go out there and it's just going to be Black Lives Matter. They probably won't even say the national anthem. They're going to change it all to, you know. But like, I, I would assume the NFL has enough foresight right now to understand like, hey, biggest moment of the year for maybe us. Maybe they want it. Biggest moment of the year for us. Um, if they, I don't know why you would, but yeah, maybe I was they gonna do. Yeah, going to say, if, if, they do, if they do, then I think they would have embraced they would have done more to embrace these things. Would have put more of a spotlight on Versus it. Versus just stand off on the side and let right, it happen. Okay. Right, So That's I, probably uh, true. I think the NFL is probably looking at it from the perspective of like, all right, essentially the Super Bowl is the restart of the year for us. Once that once that clock hit zero zero zero, it's kind of next season already for most people, most teams, most things. If anything, we should use this as a reset button. If anything, we should use this as, you know, hey, boom, new year, new us. We're not we're not we're not trying to be the anti American brand that so many people perceive us as. I still I maintain I gotta figure out the best way to say this. I think People who are anti-protest, I think if NBC cut away from the protesting, you'd be mad at them about that. What? Why not show it? Why not? Look at you in bed with the NFL because you don't want trying you don't want the negative. It. You're trying to hide it for the NFL. Hide it from you, hide it from real Americans. You'd be mad if they if they cut away from it because you'd be then accusing them of being too much in bed with their business partner. I am a little surprised NBC. Like, don't get me wrong. I know they were going to going to show it if it were to happen. I'm surprised ahead of time. They're like, no, definitely we're going to do it. I am. I think this is one of those things, and so you know, Albert just tweeted this, and he's still right about it. it. Says, you know, the national anthem at, at the Super Bowl might be one of those things where people are still getting the nachos out of the, you know what I mean, out of the closet, and still you know going to the bathroom, this and that. Where now this year, you want to see it, right? Just like last year, because you were like, well, what's Gaga gonna do? It's now, what is Pink gonna do? And I, I'm telling, I'm making a prediction right now. I think Pink does it where Lady Gaga didn't. Lady Gaga did the halftime show last year. She didn't do national anthem last year. Oh, right? it was two years ago she did the national, national anthem. anthem. Sorry, it was two years ago she did the national anthem. It was, it was the halftime show last year. She was awesome at that, by the way. It's Timberlake this year, right? Correct. It's the halftime show. Correct. I think you're going to see something in there too, and I think you'll probably see something from the the Me Too Times Up movement that probably gets done during his halftime show. I could see that. Now, if if he does something Me Too or Times Up, is that anti flag, anti American? I don't know. I don't think people don't seem to make that correlation okay. between those two okay. things. I don't think so. Okay. I think most people are on the side of, dude, don't grab people's asses in the workplace. You know what I mean? I, I think most pe- most decent people are on that side. I don't think that that's viewed to be an anti-American sentiment. Okay. It's the I've said from the beginning of the national anthem protesting with Colin Kaepernick. It's because the national anthem and the flag is so inherently tied to the military that that's why it's perceived that way. Any hypocrisy in 
so much, you know, fury and anger over these national anthem issues and, and, and the President Trump thing the other day? I mean, people getting pissed off about this. Shouldn't you be pissed about the president messing up the words? I mean, I, so, yeah, I mean, the president not knowing the words of the national anthem, you know, again, for me, not great. Um, and yes, I saw a lot of president apologists online saying, oh, it's clear that the video and the audio aren't matched up and this was doctored. And it's like, well, what about the people who were watching it live, who were like live tweeting it when it happened? So it's not, you know what I mean? So I don't know about that, which by the way, I took a piece of hate mail on this yesterday because I had said that, and I want to clarify because again, I think people just assume I jump up and down on the president, which is hilarious because I don't really. Okay. But I had said that a lot of people tell me their biggest fear of the Donald Trump presidency is the war with North Korea. I don't worry about that at all. I may be naive there. My biggest problem thus far has been that he has demystified the office. And I said yesterday, and it's like he's showing us that anybody can do it. Now, people took that as me saying he's a complete idiot, unprepared, doesn't know what he's doing. That's not necessarily what I meant. What I meant was if you would have said to me, in the 10th grade, that we could have a president who speaks the way Donald Trump does to the media and to people in meetings and this and that, uses the terms and tweets out publicly like the, the way he talks, I would have told you that a guy like that could have never been president. And that's what I meant, is that he's removing that thing that you have to be as like the best polished version of you in order to be suitable for the country. That he's demystified that, and that's the part that I worry about. Is that it, I don't necessarily worry about even him with that. It's where does it go 10, 15, 20 years now from this point? The, you know what I mean? And that's where it's not that I think, it's not even that I argue with what he's doing. I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not paying as close attention to what he's actually doing as I should. So it's not that I have a problem with what he's doing, it's that I have a problem with the fact that it's like, I said this to Fantone earlier. We live in the most politically correct era of my lifetime. And yet we have the least politically correct leader in my lifetime. Those two things cannot be isolated. Those things, they have to be intertwined somehow. That has to be the reason for it. And so it's just a weird place right now. That's what I meant by the demystifying it and that anybody could do it. Is that it used to be like an intelligent person who was too plain spoken could never do it because you didn't speak the presidential language. We no longer care about the presidential language. And I feel like that may be an issue for us down the line. I'm not saying it's an issue for us right now. So Trump supporters, you got to get off the mat. You got to stop with this Stansbury's too liberal. You got it, because that's not true. The liberals, when I, when I meet the liberals in public, you know what they tell me? You're not liberal enough. And when I meet conservatives in public, you're too liberal. And you know why that is? Because I legitimately am what I say I am, which is I am in the middle. And I hear everybody out, and then I make up my mind. And that's why you all, why you both feel like I'm not enough in your camp. You know why? Because I've said loud and clearly from the very beginning, I'll never be in your camp. They'll never get me in one of those boxes because that's where they want us. Arguing with one another instead of paying attention to what's going on so they can do whatever they want. But if NBC doesn't show you this national anthem protest, if you get it during the Super Bowl, you would flip your lid and talk about how the, well, they're in bed with the NFL. They don't want us to know because they don't want to see the power of the people and what will happen, blah, blah, blah. You'd be pissed either way, and NBC knows it, and they know it's a ratings winner to show it to you, so they're going to show it to you. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we'll see that the ratings for the Super Bowl, you know, they'll break those ratings down a million different ways. We'll know what the ratings were. We'll be covering it here, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the ratings of this year's Super Bowl will be drastically down. 
I'm going to go out on a limb right now and tell you, I bet they do big, huge monster numbers. That's just my opinion. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. Hang on. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come true. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 1069. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 1069. Online for you, WRQK.com. I guess five women now coming forward on James Franco, as we were talking about that yesterday. Five women now coming forward claiming sexual misconduct by uh, by the actor, director, producer there. Man, it's like one a day now. Does it say anything outside of sexual misconduct? Is it more specific? Or no, is it- not okay. what I read. I mean, there there is a follow-up article that I have not uh, had a chance to break down yet at Drudge. I haven't had to read the whole thing yet, but the, um, the small clip portion that got passed around does not say it just says sexual misconduct just such a it's too broad it's not a specific term and i mean don't get me wrong anything that falls into the world of sexual misconduct it's a bad thing but like you know it's different it's just there's different degrees of it and and to not give the information i just you know it leaves confusion oh well here we pulled this up and the woman who uh, who was out there yesterday, um, was it Kathy Tither Kaplan, I believe I was know. her name? She told the Times that in a nude orgy scene she filmed with Franco and several other women three years ago that he removed protective plastic guards covering other actresses' vaginas while simulating oral sex on them. Yikes. Probably should not do that. No. What a weird business to be in, right? Right. Where it's like, dude, put this plastic guard over your vagina so we, so we can film this scene. Like, what an odd working environment. Strange. I'm happy that's not part of my life in here. Like, I feel like there's there there's a lot left to interpretation and weird things that you can get yourself into a lot of weird situations in that. I'm glad my I'm glad my job doesn't require that. Man, that's not good. I hate to admit this about myself. I hate to admit this because I think it's wrong, but I'm rooting for his failure. I'm rooting for, not that I want these women to have been victimized. All right. I don't want anybody walking away assuming that, but I have to admit that there are people in Hollywood I would like to see get theirs just because I don't like them. And James Franco's a guy I just don't like enough to where if this happened, I, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, you know what, dude, I don't hate that. Yesterday, you kind of championed James Franco. What do you feel like? Well, I I mean- no, what I said was is that if the woman agreed to do a nude scene for the money and sign the contract, that that's not him being wrong. That, that, that him saying, dude, look, you signed the contract and we paid you, that that's not wrong. If you remove plastic guards from vaginas that are there to you know stop this stuff from happening while you're simulating sex acts that's wrong and you should be punished but if you paid a woman you know whatever it is and she agreed to do the movie signed the contract did it and then regrets later having done nudity in your film i don't that's not on james franco now that you have further information but now that i have this now that i know that this was what was going on then yes i would like to, and there is and i hate to admit it but there's something about that guy I just find so incredibly punchable that I that I would not hate watching him be destroyed. I hate say, God, I hate saying that because it makes me feel like a less than person. It does. I don't like from where that comes from. I mean, 
do you feel like you're not supporting justice being served? You're supporting this guy coming down. Yes, that's okay. it. Okay. Like if I was, okay. if it was purely about the justice, I'd be like, no, dude, I'm on the right side of this. Yeah, but it's not about that. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong. That part's great. It's not like I'm like, well, no, don't give me the justice. Just give me the raking James Frankel over the coals. It's just I find the guy to be so annoying. And so punchable that if he gets something terrible to happen to him, this is one of those moments in life where I'm going to shove Cheetos in my face on the couch and kind of love it. As this has kind of gained traction, and we've talked more and more about this, I, I, I stand firm that I'm just shocked that there hasn't been more dudes who have come out and been like, hey, in my past, this is what I did, and I'm sorry about it. The Mia culpa, the fall on the sword there. Instead of people dragging mm. you into this and saying, hey, you did this, guys, you know what you've done, and you do. And there's dudes that are listening right now that can say to themselves, oh, I didn't do anything wrong and she blah 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 but deep down inside you know you you did something wrong what is it going to take and i guess it's different when you're managing a restaurant versus when you're you're a celebrity but like what is it going to take for somebody to come forward and admit i did something wrong i apologize for it and i i I have i've tried to move ahead well what's the win you know what doing I mean? Doing the right thing, and I guess that's that, that's mean, not enough of a dude, win. You can wait all day on that. You, I don't, I don't think you're going to see it. I also think you would have seen more of it, but Morgan Spurlock did it, and people were still like furious. And so I think had you seen Hollywood and some other people and like the internet wrap their arms around Morgan Spurlock and say, see, he gets it. He understands he's done this. He understands he's guilty. We need more of this. Had that been the outpouring, I would have, you'd see dudes coming out of the woodwork to do it. I guess if you're, I guess, well, that's the problem is if you're doing it to get the pat on the back, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Wrong reason. So like. To me, it just very much feels like it'd be better to be in fr- to be proactive than reactive about this. And if you know you've done this, it, especially from a celebrity standpoint, I guess you're right when it comes to like John Q. Public and just some dude that was sle- sexually harassing his teenage employees at a you know yeah, at you're a just gas gonna station. lose your job, right? But I mean, like, as a celebrity, it would just make more sense to me to be like, dude, this this bullet's coming for me, and I, I, I might as well get out of the way now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I think there are a lot of things you can do. And in a lot of decades, you could have done it where if you got out in front of it and said, this was me, my bad. I want to come clean. I want you to hear it from me. I don't want to have to be dragged into this. We would have lauded you. The thing is now, and the internet has really done this, is that you know what's more apparent than ever before is that the common person is sick and tired and so over the different rules for celebrity life than everyday life. And that now that we have the power and we can condemn you and we can show people who are power influences in your life to give you roles, put you in things and take those, these things away from you. We like using it. And so instead of now, Hey, Vince Neil killed a person behind the wheel of a car being hammered. Ah, well he's in Motley Crue and they're pretty awesome. So like pay to make it go away. And that was kind of like the way of the eighties. We have a voice now. And so people are now showing the rest of the, like the entertainment industry. Like, look, dude, we're sick of the double standard where you get to do things that we don't. We're tired of it. We're the ones that fund all this. And then you just run wild and are never held accountable. And so I think you're just seeing that it's not the decade for that. 
and that in the 80s, I think you would have seen it. it, it decadence and that whole thing and, you know, uh, you know, more money and worry about everybody else later and that whole thing. You would have seen that. But now I think people are just fed up with the double standard of if you're a celebrity and you have money that you get to live in a different life and we're choosing that to be different. And so I think guy, I think people in Hollywood know that. And so they're not going to come out and, and, and be like, hey, look, this was me. If there was, if there was you know, ground to be gained here, they'd be tripping over themselves to do it. But I don't think you're going to see that just because I think we're being, we are harsher critics of celebrity life now more than we've ever been in my entire life. You have $1,000 headed your way next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Brown signing uh, Elliot Wolf to the GM, like assistant GM job. Seems like John Dorsey got his guy. They've worked together for a long time in, uh, in Green Bay and the like. And I, I, I like this hire, and here's one of the reasons why. A, they have a previous working experience, and I think that that helps you. When you're doing a, the same job that you've done somewhere else and you got a guy who kind of knows how you want it done, it helps, right? So I like that. I also like that both Green Bay, which is the team he was with, wanted to retain him, and the Oakland Raiders were interested in him as well, given their new shakeup with John Gruden. And he said, "Nah, I want to go with Dorsey. Like Dorsey, I'm going there." I, I just, I like it. I, I feel like when you can get your guy, the guy you want, and you don't have to go to the third guy, because that's been the story the last few off seasons with the Browns. Is well, we wanted this guy, but he was like, "Nah, I'm not touching it," and we had to go three guys down. I like the fact, and this is one of the reasons why when they signed Dorsey and hired him, I was like, ah, I like this hire. Um, apparently, if I remember the facts of the story I read earlier, he's missed the playoffs three times in 22 seasons or something like that. Like, I mean, he did. he's like, I mean, he turns things around. I don't know why, but they got me back on the buying into the being optimist about what they're doing now. There was a part of the day yesterday I felt the same way where I'm like, oh, dude, that's good, I think. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, dude, we're talking about front office positions. Don't get me wrong. That's an important part of sports. It's a hugely important it's, part. It's an important part of sports. But, like, you still have a team that went 0-16 this past season, and you're interjecting, like, eight rookies into it. I just don't know. I feel foolish to all of a sudden be like, you know what? This is it. This is what's going to change the, the fortunes of the Browns. Because, like, how many regime changes have we had in the past? I, you know, I, I think Cubs fans will tell you, you get the right regime change, and it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, they were starved. They got Theo, and they get a title. GM positions, that part, that part of the organization is wildly important. Massively. You cannot be overstated how important. You're, you're evaluating the talent. You're who, building the team. Who do you feel like has the best front office in the NFL? Like who's the like the the like the the you know Hard to argue against New England because Bill Belichick is the best at and what at what he does, which is he evaluates NFL talent better than anybody else and he picks NFL talent off of rosters. So that's not him as the GM, that's not well, him he, as he has control. Football operations, that's him as head coach, right? No, I mean he has control of the front office. Okay, other than the Patriots, I mean like I feel like the Steelers have a pretty solid front office. Given the fact that they con- can, can can sorry, can consistently find talent at the premier positions of wide receiver, running back, Outside of quarterback, although they did find Ben, like so you can, 
they find talent where you need to find it, and they build through the draft. That's a solid front office. I think these things shake up so much. I said it the other day, the best GM you could possibly have is a guy you don't ever have to hear about because the job's being done so well that the coach is the only person people need to talk to. That's where we need to get. We're not there. Until until I feel like, until there is an actual on-field thing that I can be excited about, I feel foolish being optimistic about the Browns. Well, that's not crazy given what the history has been. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, if a guy comes home every night to beat you drunk, when he comes home drunk, you assume he's going to beat you. Yeah, I just feel like, and I thought that to myself, I'm like, God, how naive are you? How foolish? How like how gullible are you where just because the Browns move a an executive position around, all of a sudden you feel like they're going to win again? That, that to me, I had to check myself yesterday. I think, I think it's important. I think it is a positive, though, that two other teams wanted him. Again, the team and where he was, now they passed him over for the GM job, and so that was one of the reasons why he wanted to leave there. But Oakland wanting him, and and we wanting him, and him wanting to come back and work with Dorsey again, I think speaks volumes on who John Dorsey is. Now, when they got their guy the last time, it was Hugh Jackson. 131 Hugh Jackson. I mean, is that always an indicator of... Was Hugh their first pick? Wasn't it? I thought that was the big, the big celebration of him. Was that like, hey, we've got the guy that we wanted to get that? Year. I don't remember that. You might be right about that. I don't remember about that. Well, not that you're always going to be right. You know what I mean? I just feel like these two guys have been successful doing exactly what they were brought here to do before. So why would I assume that they can't be successful doing it again? I know this isn't a logical answer. I know this isn't like a because you're putting the sins of the past on the present, but because it's the Browns. And like I know that I know that seems like uh, you're bringing me curse territory there, though. I, I mean, I, right? I don't, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know how else to explain <laughs> over the curse? past over well over the past twenty years, though, dude. We're talking about the NFL too. We're talking about the the league where it is the easiest to go from four and twelve to twelve and four, where it's the easiest to turn it around. You can turn it around in a year. Where in the past twenty years, they just haven't. Turned it around. What's the last time a team turned it around in a year? How many teams this year made the playoffs that didn't make it last year? I think most. I think it was like that was one of the things they talked about this year. Teams that didn't make a run last year that that that, that didn't make it that made it this year. I think I think I think that's uh, is what I saw was most. I always hear about this team that turns around out of nowhere, and yet every time I press somebody to give me an example, they never have it. I mean. Again, the guy we're talking about is the guy who orchestrated the turnaround and found all the players to turn it around. And it wasn't a year, it was three years. Bills? That if we're calling the Bills a turnaround, well, they, go, I mean they from, had they had to be backdoored into the playoffs by Andy Dalton by by the Ravens laying down. Wouldn't wouldn't you accept that as a huge victory in Cleveland? Yeah, but the, but it, but I'm not going to look at the Browns at seven and nine as a turnaround. Like it's better. It's an improvement. Super Bowl or bust? What I mean I think you need to be a legitimate contender in your division, which which I don't think Buffalo really is. Although dude, you have the Giant there in New England. And who's in the rest of that division? Miami, you, the Jets. All right, yeah, I guess honestly the more I think about it, it's it's them and Buff it's New England and Buffalo, essentially. So okay. All right, yeah, do you give me to seven and nine, that's a turnaround. Okay, fair. But what was Buffalo's record last year? I mean, dude, they won like four straight games with what's-his-name because they were like, oh, maybe we don't fire him. I just, I always hear about this team that is like 1-15 and 15 or 2-14, and 14, and then the next year they're a world beater, and I always say to people, well, show me. And then it never happens because I think that's a myth. 
I think it's one of those things we assume happens more than it does. And I think it looks that way to us because we're not an in-and-out fan of every franchise. And if you go ask fans of that particular franchise, they're going to be like, dude, that wasn't overnight. We waited six years for that to happen. I mean, the teams that are always pretty good are always pretty good. Pittsburgh's always pretty, like, pretty good. Dallas always, like, you know, usually pretty good. New England, usually pretty good. Like, I, I, it's, it's, it seems to me like the teams that are pretty good are usually pretty good, and it's because the front office is very stable. And you're not going to build a stable on-field product till you build a stable front office product, and they're at least doing that. And so as much as you're right to be like, well, I did been here before, I'm not buying it, sure. But at the same time, like, I can't knock them for doing the thing you absolutely need to do before anything else can get better. Now, you got to understand, I'm also the guy that maintains, I don't believe John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam when they tell me Hugh Jackson's going to be the coach next year. I don't buy it. He might be. I'm not telling you he's out for sure. But I think that there's a possibility they are still looking for what might have to be done there or that it's going to be well replaced next year. If we see that there's no improvement, then we'll move forward in the middle of the season, something like that. But I don't believe that they're looking at Hugh going, this is fine. This is all good. We're behind him 100%. I don't think anybody thinks John Dorsey's behind Hugh Jackson 100%. He didn't pick him. And I think there's probably a relationship with the coach somewhere that he wants. And I still think you're going to see a lot of free agent signings that will help the we're going to be too young because of how many draft picks we're going to put on the field this year. Because you're right about that part. Is that you can't get younger and get better. Normally, that's not the way that works. So I think you will see a lot of free agent signings. You know, getting closer to the draft. Players will start moving around. Stuff will start to happen. I, I think you'll see that. Okay, Rams four and twelve last year, eleven and five this year. Okay, there's a there, there's a decent example, but four and twelve is far and away from zero and sixteen. And again, I think most people were saying last year you have a quarterback, you have a running back, you have a wide receiver on the Rams in Jared Goff, Sammy Watkins, and Todd Gurley is the running back. And you have a defensive-minded 1989 head coach in Jeff Fisher, which is why I kept telling you, don't bring me Jeff Fisher here. Because he had young offensive talent and couldn't do it. So implementing a more offensive-style system probably helped them. I, I So that okay, that's a pretty solid turnaround in one year. So you give, But again, we're talking about a league, what, 50 years in? And, I, and, and I'm being given an example. I think it's more rare than people think. And they also went out and got him. They also went out this offseason. This is very boring. But they also went out this offseason and got Jared Goff one of the best left tackles in football. Like, you can't. You, can't, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, moves were made to make sure that that turnaround went happen. It, and so we're making moves. And so people telling me that the moves aren't any good. Well, how do you know? You got to make the moves before you know. The 12... 12- um, Colts went from two and fourteen to eleven and five. The thirteen Chiefs went from two and fourteen to ten and six. Okay, John Dorsey is what did that. The 08 Dolphins went from one and fifteen to eleven and five. The 04 Steelers went from six and ten to fifteen and one. Six and ten to fifteen and one, dude. That's not, dude. Six and ten is what it happens on an off year in a football team. Ninety nine Colts went from three and thirteen to thirteen and three. That's a pretty drastic turn. Ninety nine Rams went from four and twelve to thirteen and three. 
Again, four and twelve, six and ten are not that dude. That's what happens in an off year. The Jags again, dude. Look at the moves that happen with the Jags. What did the Jags do? They went and got a new GM. They went and got the new. This is what I'm saying: is that this stuff doesn't happen without the moves. And now the Browns are making the moves, and people are like, "Well, yeah." You shouldn't be. These aren't the moves that matter. And yet, every example you want to give me is what did they do? They shook up the front office and the head coaching position, and they got new GMs, new scouting departments, and then what happened? Players showed up. It doesn't. My point is, it doesn't fall out of the sky, and that men in the league make these decisions. And we've now got a guy who has shown you. They have shown you. History is that they know what to do. They've done it. One of the teams you're showing me as the turnaround is the team that John Dorsey turned around. So you can't go, you're wrong, here's the example, and then tell me I'm wrong that we got the right guy. I wasn't saying we got the wrong guy. I'm saying people are telling me we got the wrong guy. I'm just saying until they make something happen on the field, this is all, you know. You can't make something happen on the field until you go get the guy who decides what's on the field. Why can I not get people to understand that? Am I speaking a different language He's the guy that decides what's on the field. The only way that can get better is having the right guy to decide it. We've now done that. So you are seeing something changing on the field. The person who's picking the personnel, that's where you'll start to see it. Your next shot at $1,000 is right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. Rock. 1069. Hey guys, it's Sansbury. If you're jealous of your friends because they have cool features in their car, like maybe heated seats, even a remote start, that stuff comes in really handy in the freezing cold weather. If it's time to upgrade your vehicle, let's send you over to the Wakeham Auto family. When I needed one last year, I found myself on the Wakeham Auto Mile at West Tuscan Lincoln Way between Canton and Maslin. And the reason I went is because the Wakeham Auto family is Stark County's largest pre-owned dealership. And I was looking for pre-owned. So they found me a 2013 Honda Accord right inside my price range, and Wakeham was able to get me financed because they work with 30 different lenders. I was worried about my credit. I've had a few dings. I have not had the best financial life ever. And they said to me, no worries, man. This is why we got multiple lenders going on so we can find you the loan you need on the car that you want. If you're sick of looking at your neighbor's driveway, wishing you had that car, now's the time to go grab it. You can start online at Wakeham.com. That website is W-A-I-K-E-M.com or stop by the Wakeham Auto Mile at West Tuscan Lincoln Way between Canton and Maslin. Just tell those guys, man, I was listening to Stansberry and I came here because I want to save the Wakeham way. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you, WRQK.com. Have a four-pack of tickets for the Big Home and Garden Show. Going down February the 2nd through the 11th, I believe. That is correct, sir. At, uh, at the IX Center. We'll pass those out here before the end of the program. Uh, William Hung, who you might not remember his name... But you will remember him from being the awful American Idol contestant that made She Bang, I believe was the song. Oh, yeah. From Ricky Martin. She Bang, She Bang, She Bang. Okay. Right? And like that was like the thing that rocketed him to stardom. As a matter of fact, didn't he like, I mean, he made videos and like I think he had signed a production deal and like he, I, he got a little bit of money out of being bad. Yeah. And I mean, I know he's uh, he's put the celebrity life behind him. I've heard he works for some like police station, I think in LA doing like forensics. So he's, uh, he's, right? he's moved on. And, uh, but no, I mean, the, the most notoriety, probably the most money the guy ever made, is during you know that. That's weird. Um, I don't know why I thought about this, but one of those famous porn stars did that too. She's from Ohio. She's from Bowling Green. Yeah, and she left porn and then now works at a police department down near Bowling Green. It's weird. 
you got to find a life after fame, right? I would imagine so. I just I, that would be a hard transition, I think, from porn to to cop. Oh yeah, I think from yeah. porn to cop. But back to William Hung here, who is upset now because he says, and I didn't know they were going to do this, but American Idol apparently is ditching the bad audition portion of the television program. Is American Idol back? Is that oh yeah, that's happening? coming. Back. Oh, Jesus Lord, dude. And they're going to ditch the the bad audition portion. You know, the watchable part. Watchable part to John Q. Public, but when it comes to American Idol viewers, was that like a waste for them? Oh, I don't know. You could make the argument that that's what helps you build in your audience. Because initially, you don't care about any of these people. And what? And actually, the way they did this was brilliant back in the day, is that they would wrap the talent around the awful, because we like to feast on the bone. And so, therefore, when, somebody, when she bangs is happening, you're like, God, this guy's terrible. And then next thing you know, here comes you know Kelly Clarkson. You're like... Wow, that girl can really sing. I think I, I, I know what you mean there. I just think that 10, 15 years ago when American Idol first kind of like popped off on the scene, I think we didn't know how to do singing shows yet. I think we were still like, I don't know. And maybe, you know, at this point, American Idol knows, you know, it's not going to catch on like it did 15 years ago. It's not going to be like. Oh, I think I think it's a completely different reason. I think it's because. They don't want to have the backlash of, you know, you parade these people out there that you know you're never going to put on your show, and they never have a real shot, but you make stars out of them for being bad, and then they got to go back to their lives, and they're just the person who couldn't sing. Like, I think that is what it is. I think this was a decision made out of fear of what the backlash will be for parading people out with no talent and putting them on TV. Why do you think that other television shows that are in the same, like whether it's The Four or The Voice or whatever, how come they don't do the same thing? I think they had to change it just a little bit for copyright infringement, <laughs> right? I think, I think you make changes to, to something you're stealing. And so I, I think it's something that they all maybe they maybe and maybe NBC was early with the voice. Maybe they were like, you know what? We're not doing that because we don't want we don't want the backlash. I don't I could be wrong. Maybe that's not what American Idol is doing. I just think it's probably part of the discussion of, you know, it's 2018 when this thing's coming back now and people don't have the same sense of humor that they had 10, 15 years ago. People are way uptight these days and they're going to be worried about this. And so, like, maybe we don't do it. But. I mean, didn't I? Is no, no, no. I, I know. I mean, I've been on the radio the entire, pretty much the entire time American Idol's been on, like the entire run of it. And I remember giving out the ratings and saying, "Dude, the nights where they do are doing the bad auditions, like doubled the nights when they're good, because that's what we liked then." I just think our like perception of things and how we interact with things and so much like here's my opinion right now versus like what I really think about it is is playing in here because I think if it was solely like it's just different I think or you know that we didn't know how to do shows you would still get a night of this you wouldn't you wouldn't just take it all the way back but I think they're doing that because of the fear of we can't be perceived to be mean. It's the same reason why you saw the shift in Jimmy Kimmel and why you saw the shift in Jimmy Kimmel now turn into the guy who cries on TV over everything. And it's because, and people forget this, but Jay Leno came out 
early on in Jimmy Kimmel's late night show and said, what's holding him back is that there's this sense of mean in Jimmy, that there's this sense that he's out to get you for being stupid with his on the street bits and that he's out to get you and that he's a little bit mean and the mean tweets and like, look, look at what's the bottom of this. And Jay Leno criticized him harshly and said, he'll never be the king of late night because he's too mean. And now what happened a year and a half after Jay Leno, uh, you know, raked him over the coal for it. Now, what is Jimmy Kimmel? I'm your best friend. I'm the nicest guy ever because he saw the system. The curtain got pulled back and it was like, dude, that's the way to start him is by lying to him about how great I am about everything. That's the system for stardom. And so that's, I think you're starting to see that that mean tinge in entertainment be taken away. And I'll point it out. I'll got another great example for you. Where the hell is Lewis Black been? Where the hell is he? We're in the most screwed up political time of our lifetimes. And yet one of the most brilliant political comedians is nowhere to be found. And you know why? It's because you don't want his delivery of a screaming madman anymore. Everybody wants their hand held. Nobody wants the delivery of Lewis Black. Five years when it comes back into style, Lewis will be right back at the top of all your television programs. He didn't get any less brilliant over the last three years. We changed. Not him. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. Hang on. 106.9. Show on Rock 1069 online at WRQK.com. Yes, you can send me Lewis Black's touring schedule and tell me he's doing shows. The guy had six shows in production at Comedy Central. He was Comedy Central for a decade. But if you want to explain everything I say away, then yeah, I guess you can find me a tour that he did in Iowa and tell me he's still out there on the forefront. I'm just saying we're in the biggest political climate ever. And the guy's not like one of the faces we go see. And it's because he's harsh. Those were his words. It was from his interview. I just did one of the dumbest things I've ever done in a commercial break, and I just wasn't thinking. Where somebody wrote in and said, dude, what's the phone number to the radio station? Which, again, this happens a lot here, and I, I, I think it's because it's not 1069, whatever you know, the three would be, and then 1069. But the phone number is 1-800-243-7625. And somebody asked me for it, and I wasn't thinking, and so I responded back. And I gave them my cell phone number Ugh. and not and not Oof. the radio station phone number. So now just a random person that I don't know has my cell phone number. And dude, I got to tell you, the lower half of me has been watertight since I hit send by accident. Like, dude, I don't feel comfortable right now at all. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that most people are probably going to be like, ah, whatever, who cares? It's a cell phone number. But there's some people out there who would do that, and you're going to get calls at midnight. You're going to get D-pics sent to you. You know what I mean? Like, I had this. This was when I lived in, in Lakewood uh, when I was working up in Cleveland. But like, I, there was a pizza shop I loved. Like, I loved it. And they would always call you when they got to like the driveway and be like, hey, we're here or whatever. Or, you know, because I lived upstairs in a duplex. And so you couldn't just walk into the house and like walk upstairs. And the guy then called me at like 3.30 in the morning. And I recognized the phone number because I had saved it as like, you know, so-and-so's delivery driver. right? Right. And so I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello? And I don't know why I picked up the phone. He was like, dude, I'm at the bar with my buddies and they don't believe I bring pizza to you. Will you say hi to my friends and like put me on the phone with his friend? I was like, oh my God. 
But I continue to order pizza from there because that's how good Delicious it was. Pizza. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, anybody in Lakewood knows Angelo's is worth that. Uh, and like I said, this person might be responsible with it and might not care. And oh, like, I don't yeah, think whatever. Do okay, well, it's a woman there too. So, well, no, but it wasn't like, hey, I'm doing this because you're a woman. Like, I, but I, I just think I, I don't think I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You should be okay. I think you'll be. Fine. Watch now. I'll just say like the one thing that offends her next week, and right. it'll just be like, guess what? If you want to really call him, do it right here. I hope not. That would be terrible. I read this during the break also and i can't make sense of it where they're now saying that a major league baseball agent has been fired because apparently he had put a camera up in his shower all right and was filming players who were showering at his home recently a player who chose not to be identified was using a shower at jason wood's home Jason Wood is the agent who worked for CSE Talent Agency. They were using, he was using the shower at Wood's home and found a camera. The player confronted Wood and then followed by firing him immediately, which I would. Yeah. CSE, <laughs> CSE acquired, this is not Federal Credit Union. It's not the Federal Credit Union. This okay. is a talent agency. Acquired Wood's agency, Arlen Sports, in April of 2017. Now, that big conglomerate has not then immediately responded for a request for comment. Other players have severed their relationship with the talent agency and are looking for new representation according to the announcement of the acquisition. Now, here's what I don't understand. Why are you showering at your agent's house? I'm going to assume, especially when it comes to professional athletes, agents often probably have to play like the the mother role to them. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, hey, I handle a lot of your day-to-day stuff, your scheduling, stuff like that. So this is gonna. Uh, th- this will show you how I how I have a tendency to, th- to to see the negative. So if if this agent has a house in L.A. and you've got to go out to L.A. for X, Y, or Z to look you, at the Dodgers, right? And you you play for the Twins. Of course, you're gonna stay with him, right? I oh, mean, I don't know, dude. You're a major league baseball player. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna want your own hotel room. So you can smash um, thoughts in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, I, I would. I, I'm not. I'm going to say it's probably pretty likely your agent has a big enough house where it's like, yo, bro, come stay here. You can have the entire West Wing I'll and it's thought smashing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, that's probably pretty commonplace. Okay. I this this will show you how I have a tendency to look at the negative. When I read this story, I just assumed, well, your agent had to pick you up from the police station because you got arrested for a DUI or whatever. Sure. And then next thing you know, you're back at his house and you're taking a shower before you go to bed, right? Like, I like that's what I had it at. Because I don't know why a grown man would just be hanging out at another grown man's house both when you both have money. You see what I'm saying? Like, dude, a hotel room, I mean, right? I would just want the privacy, but maybe that's me. I would want it. And I guess this is, we really are, I mean, I'm stretching for things here, but like... All right, so it's baseball offseason right now. You're going to warm weather places to go practice, to go train. I, okay. You know what I mean? And like, all right, so hey, we had a morning workout. All right, you know what? I'm just going to, hey, I'm going to take a shower in, in your guest room. And you know what? Right back out, you know, and we'll go, I don't know, do LA things. And I guess it's, you know what? If, if you're in a town, you don't know anybody. 
And, dude, you're a celebrity. People are going to notice you, so you kind of stick around with people that you know. And you're in the business of being sweaty. Like, athletes are just going to be sweaty, sweatier than the average person. Need probably need more showers than the average person, right? I get sweat up. I get. I mean, I don't know if you go have a meeting with the Dodgers. I don't know if they're necessarily making you run, you know, sprints to see if you still have it. I just found that odd. And where are you hiding, even with small cameras these days? Where are you hiding a camera in a shower? Plenty of places. Dude, I mean, they have tiny little cameras. Like in the shower head, probably. You put it in the shower head. You could put it, like, up uh, up, uh, ahead of the shower. When's the last time you were in the shower? Like, all right, what's up there? Like, one of those corners or something like that? Never looked. And, I mean, I don't know if this this agent was doing this sexually or if he was using this as, like, a, hey, this is a blackmail situation, but, like... I think it was probably... Again, this this will show you how I look at negative. But I think this was, oh, you want to see how cool I am? And I want to impress chicks. And here's and I'm just using the name. Here's Jay Bruce naked, right? I mean, maybe that. Or, yeah, maybe, hey, bro, I want to renegotiate my contract with you, dude. Instead of 17%, I want 27%. And if you don't show it to me, here's the D-picks. But, like, I don't know. In that how many case, times are you going to be able to do that? And in my mind, it's like, if, if that's the case, it's like, dude, I'm showering. It's not like it's not like I'm banging some chick that's not my wife. It's not like you caught me in, like, a... a it's like, dude, I'm naked taking a shower. If that's enough for people to be like, oh, my gosh, Jay Bruce. You know what I mean? Like, that's... I mean, yeah, what, what, what are you going to shame me for getting clean? Right, for, for, for washing? Clay says maybe it's, an, maybe it's an unsigned player and maybe he's still in college and broke. Okay, You're, you, that could be because it just says a, recently a player. It doesn't necessarily say a professional player. And the agent, there's no more time in your life where they're more important than when you're like about to break on the pro scene. And you probably are kind of staying with them a Trust little bit them, more. No you know what I mean? Yeah, you are starting to build that, that family-friendly that relationship that you would need there. Dude, that's so creepy to think about that. Like, did you hear that story yesterday where that, I, I, was it Illyria, where that guy like hacked like 700 computers or whatever oh, it was, yeah. and he was like staring at people through like their webcams on their machines? That stuff is terrifying to me. It's, dude, pornography, man. <laughs> it's just bad because that's how all that stuff happens, I'm convinced. And that's why he thinks getting watching you on your webcam would be worth it. And I worry about that kind of, and I'm going to go overboard here with the terminology, but but that kind of terrorism where it's like you're like the 15 year old down the street instead of shoveling my driveway can like email me and be like, bro, you either dude pay me two thousand dollars or I'm sending these pics to your program director. Like, dude, I gotta tell you, your boy does not like that. I am I am not not a fan of that. I am a fan of money. You probably are, too. That's why we're going to give you $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Dan Stansberry and his boy, Wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We have $8,000. We'll get you hooked up here momentarily. I, uh, I was just reading this story from the Canton uh, Repository, where apparently Tuesday night, on the northwest side of Shore of Avenue, a couple of dudes were in a black Nissan Altima firing shots from some guns. Cops, of course, show up. Car ended up going down the wrong way down Cleveland Avenue and uh, almost caused a car accident on the corner of Cleveland and Market. And then they hopped out of the car and they both, two of the passengers, uh, well, the driver and one passenger both dumped a weapon. 
And then they found, they actually ended up finding another loaded 38 in the car where a third passenger happened to be. And they found those guns and also some uh, some fake cash was on some uh, some counterfeit cash was on these guys as well. And you got to wonder, did he know it was counterfeit? You know what I mean? Like, right. are you were you the counterfeiter, or did somebody pass on counterfeit bills to you, buying something off of you? I, you got to wonder that. Yeah, it, to me, counterfeiting feels like such an antiquated crime. It feels like almost like stealing the money bags off the back of the train. You know what I'm saying? Just because, like, well, the James gang. Well, right, but just like money is so like. There's holograms in it, and there's all these different colors in it, and there's so many ways I look at cash, and I'm like, dude, there's no way this you can you can replicate this, but we just I just busted not I mean not the per but like I caught some counterfeit fifties at the Agora not that long ago, and they told us that night they said, hey, look, there's there's a report in the area about counterfeit bills, and sure enough, a guy handed me a bill, and it just felt so flimsy. And that and the guy- moment I pulled for the marker to test it, he ran. Oh, okay, so he knew. He knew. I was going to say, I think that it's quite possible, like, you go to the gas station, somebody hands you, hey, here's your $20 worth of change, and you're just like, all right, I'm trying to get out of the way. I don't want to be one of those lotto people. I'm one of those bad people. Like, I'm terrible about this. Like, if I hand you money and you're giving me change, you ever watch those people in the store who, like, count to make sure the change is right? Not you. Dude, I grab it, put it in my pocket. Right. Like, you could shortchange me more than the average human being just because I'm thinking about the person behind me who's, like, pissed at the (laughs) the fact that it's taking time. Like, dude, get out of my way. I'm that guy, so I'm just like constantly putting stuff in my pocket and walking on. And I guess I'm looking at it from the perspective of like, all right, if I counterfeited money, I would be using it at the gas station. I'd be using it at Giant Eagle. I'd be using it. If you were counterfeiting money and you were just going to go scam another drug dealer, I guess that would be a lot easier. See, to me, I've never understood the counterfeiter. Because this is the ultimate crime, I think, that proves to you that greed is what takes down criminals. Right. You are making money. Right. What are you making $100 bills for? What are you doing that for? Why are you not making fives, tens, tens. singles? You can make, you're making it. Yeah, if you're doing, if you did singles, fives, and tens, and at least at that point, there'd be a lot of like built in deniability of like, dude, I don't know where I got this $5 bill from. Where the hell? Counterfeits a single. Right. And right. so, like, for me, I look at it now, maybe this is partially because I have a job I really like, right? But there's, there's always been this thing in me where I was like, well, dude, I would just print like fives, tens, and singles. And I would pay for my gas and my groceries right. and buy a couple of video games. And I would still work to throw law enforcement off the trail of me. And since I'm making the money in my basement, what do I care how long it makes me uh, it takes me to print a million? Yes, but that's a very... Once you start getting that extra money into your hand, once you got that $10 bill in your hand time it's and like, time again. It's it, like people who start selling drugs so they can buy their kids something. And then the next thing you know, you're like Escobar. A week later, you're going to be like, all right, well, dude, I could just do this with 20s. It would happen twice as quick. And then it'd be yeah. like, all right, hundos coming down the pipeline. It wouldn't take very long for that to be very alluring. It just, to seem, you. It just seems, for, yeah, I, I understand the alluring. And that's obviously how it happens. For me, though, it's like. When you go use cash, which people look at you like you're an alien when you use cash now most places, but the moment you hand somebody a 50 or a 100, they look at it. 
Right. Nobody ever looks no. at a $10 bill. No. Ever. I remember I was in high school, and this kid I went to high school with was like working at, like, I don't know, one of the office retail, you know, supply stores. Sure. He was, he was like, dude, I'm going to start counterfeiting money. So everyone was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And then he, like, you know, showed it to me, and I'm like, God, this is terrible. Like, not even remotely, like, looking like cash. You're it's right. Hard it's hard paper. Like, it, right. you, like you, you think, like, oh, hey, I'll be able to print it on paper. And it's, no, no, you're not. No, you I mean, immediately tell the difference. Yeah, what they use, I mean, the paper's different, the ink is way different, and you're right. All the watermarking that gets done now, and the changing, and the bills, and the faces, and all that. Yeah. If you could do any crime, and that we'll, we'll, we've covered counterfeiting, but if you could do any crime and be like, dude, this is my life of crime, what would it be? Counterfeiting does sound good, and I, it just wait, sounds easy. Now, 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 I'm living this life without having to worry about like, is this actually going to come down on me? Yeah, like just in the moment, this is what you're choosing to like make the money. Do I want to be like a drug kingpin? Do I want to like? I think there's too much stress. stress in that. You might get murdered, stuff like that. I think there's too much stress in the drug kingpin. All right, and we covered counterfeiting. I think counterfeiting's the best one though, because it's like, dude, you got the Steve Harvey show on. You're just smoking right, L's, right. and like next thing you know, you're just printing bills off but for me my dream like you know how like you'll like live vicariously in movies like right. dude like i want to be a mob dude or i want to be that like you'll live vicariously through the bad guy through the black hat as they would call it for me dude i want to be a car thief okay so bad i want to be a, i want to be a high-end ferrari porsche lamborghini Gone car in 60 thief. seconds yeah okay. dude i want to be b- b- 53 cars 50 uh, out whatever it was ooh, i gotta do it it's gotta be high-end there because if you're living like the life of a normal like canton car thief and you're just stealing a buick rendezvous like what a terrible go of it that is but you're right if it's ferraris and mclarens and things like that it would then, just feel you know, like okay. international life right. crime right. fun I, I buy it. you know what i mean you sell four ferraris and you're like yeah you know Dude, I'm just gonna go take a vacation on the beach for the next few months and lay low. I would, I think, car thief would be a very interesting way to make a living. Although I think they throw the book at you. I think it's like 15 years or something you get, like for that, which is crazy. The, when, when, well, but we're living in this hypothetical world where we're getting away with it. You uh, know what I'm saying? I'm right? We're like we're getting away with it. You, you, you're you're a good car. Yeah. Thief, see, yeah. I like car thief because here's the thing. Ultimately, I feel like nobody really gets hurt. And I, I know the insurance company gets hurt, but like, dude, you become a mob guy and you start like offing people. You're the ice man or whatever. No. Now I'm killing people. Like, I don't want to get morbid. But aren't you stealing from all the people who pay into insurance premiums? Yeah, but they're suckers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, all like, you people that have to do this, you yeah. suckers. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're, we're all just the suckers. Victimless crime. Yeah, going to work, punching our <laughs> clocks. Bunch of marks is what they'd call it. You don't have to do that, though, because we're passing out some money. Here's your $1,000 right now. Mary show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 169, online at WRQK.com. Your next opportunity at $1,000 will be at 1010 with Teresa. Your next keyword. New York is uh, entertaining the idea. A county in New York, rather, is proposing a ban on smoking in cars with kids. New York announced new legislation Tuesday to protect children in the county from secondhand smoke. They are looking to ban smoking while kids are in the car. Children, they say, have no way of knowing the dangers of cigarette smoke and cannot be expected to protect their own health. We already don't allow smoking in indoor public spaces because we all know the dangers of secondhand smoke. Now, opponents of the law will claim that the state does not have the right to legislate smoking in a private vehicle. 
Proponents, however, say it's a matter of public health, and those children certainly have the right to breathe clean, healthy air. Someone's habit should not force carcinogens and pollutants onto a child's lungs. When said that way, it's hard to argue that. The legislation won't be unique to Erie County, which, if you're curious, is where like Buffalo and Schenectady, Rockland County are all up there. But states like Arkansas, Louisiana, California also have a smoking ban in the car. During the press conference, they said the legislature is still negotiating the penalties of the offense, but for now, we don't want this to be a draconian. Uh, so if someone doesn't realize what the health consequences are or might not know that it's a law, we at least want a warning process in place up front. And then after that, it'll be a $150 fine for the first offense, which I'm surprised is that low, to be honest with you. That sounds low. But it's about, what, if seatbelt tickets, about 150 bucks, right? It's in the general price range, yeah. So that's about that's probably what they based it off of. Was a similar thing there. I'm kind of stuck in the middle on this. As, and again, it's about a week and a half. It'll be five years since I've smoked a cigarette. And so I don't want to be hypocritical and be like, now that I don't smoke. But I will tell you that when I did smoke cigarettes and when I was living uh, near my family and my niece was young, when I would take her in the car with me, I would not smoke cigarettes in the car when my niece was in the car. I felt like I knew enough not to do that. I'm one of these guys I don't really like when the government makes laws I don't feel like we absolutely need. Because I just feel like, eh, it's like, dude, why are you doing that? Is it just to steal my money? Probably. But this is secondhand smoke, and they make a good argument here where it's like, if you can't smoke in a restaurant because your, your smoke is going to affect me at the table next to me, I'm only in that restaurant with you an hour or two, maybe tops. These kids are going to be in your car with you every day. And if you smoke with them once in the car, you're smoking with them in the car every day. Does this apply to homes? It does not currently now. But there are, I, but what, there are housing, like, um, there are apartment complexes that won't let you smoke in your home. Yeah, but if, I mean, like, if, I'm, if I buy my own home and I have kids, I mean, what's the difference between smoking in the car and smoking in my home? Well, that's what, that's why I don't necessarily, that's why I don't love this, is because I feel like that's going to be the next move, and I don't want them doing that to me in my house. And- I don't want you to smoke around your kids. But I, dude, let's, I, I feel like the government's involved in my life enough, and the more I open my front door to my home, the less I like it. So isn't your car an extension of your home? I mean, it's, it's your car. You can make the argument your kid can go to his room while I'm smoking in the living room. Smoke, I mean. I mean, come on, though, dude. Like, if you, you don't, I mean, you could also make the argument that it's like, dude, if secondhand smoke was that bad, we're all the people who grew up. Although they, they say that's where asthma came from for my generation growing up, being in the backseat of a car with a mom. Now, my parents didn't smoke when I was growing up, so I don't know what that's like. I, I just think if you open up the door to this being the rule in cars, it's there's, gonna, oh, there's the, no closing it on your house. Oh, no. House is going to be the next thing, and that's why I don't like it. What I wish we could have is people who smoke cigarettes who realize, and if that's an adult decision you want to make, fine. I don't care if you smoke cigarettes. That's fine. But what I wish you could do is not smoke while your kids are in the car. I wish people would do that on their own, but they're not going to. And I don't know what the link between secondhand smoke in the car and asthma is, but I'm sure somebody's made the I'm sure somebody's made the connection. I would have to imagine. I mean, I don't know any kid that grew up when I did who now has cancer from it just because I don't know it doesn't mean it didn't happen. 
But my guess is is that if you were smoking with your kid in the car, you were smoking right there at the dinner table too, and like blowing it right in their faces at the dinner table. Now, some people have used the argument of secondhand smoke not nearly as bad as people have made it out to be. People use it to justify an overreach of government and all these different things. So, like, I mean, is you know, is there any credibility to like, well, maybe it's not that bad? This is one of those things that if I were to vote on it, that I would vote no on implementing this law. So you are allowed to smoke with your children yeah, in the car. Yeah, I, I would I rather you didn't. And I wish that you would not do that. But because of the, and this is always where people go when they don't have a great argument, and I'm telling you that on the, on, on the onset, is that it feels like we're getting into the slippery slope territory here, and I want less, I want them less involved with what I do in my home. And so if I can protect my home from the government more by voting this down, then I have to vote this down. And what I would wish is that you people who smoke cigarettes would not smoke in your car or around your children in the home. I'm being told that a guy grew up in an 888-square-foot home when my parents smoked. The whole house filled up with smoke. Okay. I My grandmother lived in a very small house in Maple Heights. I don't know the, the exact square footage, but it was a very small house on Raymond Avenue in Maple Heights. She smoked my entire life. When I went to my bedroom, I didn't know she was smoking. I didn't know. Smoke wasn't coming through the vent. Now, that may have been, that was my situation. It's obviously not indicative of everybody's scenario. But I think there's at least an argument that in the home, you could avoid it. In the backseat of the car, I'm not sure you can. I know somebody's going to write in and give me the windows down argument. Well, in Ohio, where it was seven degrees the last two weeks... I'm not sure that that's necessarily a solid argument. Out of fear of what happens with the home, and I want you to be able to do not whatever you want in your home, but I'd like you to have a little bit more freedom in your living room than maybe you have outside of it. So out of fear of that, I would have to tell the government, dude, like, ah, you need to slow down on this one. And don't ever lie to me about the fact that you care about my kids' government, because I know better. What you're after is the $150 fine money that you will misuse and spend erroneously after you steal it from me, because that's all you're capable of doing. We will close out the Stansberry Show for the day. That will happen next on Rock 106. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 169. Teresa will get you your next keyword at 1010 this morning. Get choked up with $1,000. 10 after every hour, she'll give you a keyword. They'll text in you off some money. Dude, I was reading this story where three Las Vegas casinos have been robbed in the last 90 days. Three. That seems like a lot. Like, And, and it seems like a... Like one of them was like the poker room in one of the casinos. Like, he robbed the cash cage right there. Right? And this last guy got away in a cab, and they haven't found him. In a cab? Yeah. Wow. Which I don't understand. Because wow. don't you just call the cab company and be like, uh, we need the receipts of like where you went and like all this. And having been to Las Vegas, having lived in Las Vegas, like, yeah, there's cabs sitting out in front of those hotels. But there's also a line of them. And so sometimes, like, getting out and moving and this and that, that seems like a very bad system, banking on the the taxi being able to get you in and out of there. Yeah, I mean, the concept of having a drive man exists for a reason. I mean, somebody that you're going to be able to rely on, but obviously he got away with it. I can't believe that. Like, 
the amount of distance in a hotel, in a casino hotel room, or like a, a casino floor in Vegas to the front door. Like, those things are designed like that for a reason. Right. It's so you'll get walking around like, where's the bathroom? Oh, I guess I'll play this. Like, it, they're designed like that for a reason. And one of the reasons is to put so much real estate between the gaming table and the front door so um, you don't get it. Probably safe assumption, then, as we look at three different incidents and they've all gotten away with it thus far, is there, like, some sort of a... Um, Organized crime sweep going through uh, Vegas right now. It's, I would imagine insider job. Right? I would imagine it's a team effort. I would imagine that it, it is a team effort. I guess James Woods was playing in the poker room. He's a big poker player, pretty good too, from what I hear. Um, I used to see him at the Mirage a little bit back in the day. He was in there a lot, and apparently he was in. I think it was the Bellagio when that got robbed. I think that was like late last year. It's all sounds very, very suspicious to me. Wasn't he in one of those Oceans movies, Oceans 14, Oceans 17, or something was like that? In? All of a sudden, it could be. I don't think he, he was could be. Was. was Brad Pitt there? Was George Clooney there? But that appa- little Asian guy, was he there? But apparently, like, I guess Woods was tweeting about it after it happened. It was like giving credit to like the Bellagio staff saying, like, he said it was happening 20 feet away from me and I had no idea it was going down. Meaning he's like, the staff was just cool, calm, and collected. And that guy ended up getting caught long term. And I think Vegas will eventually get these guys. It's just the... Because, again, having lived there, I've spent plenty of time on a casino floor, and you can't help but have your mind wander there. Like, it just... As you watch the cash cage being rolled around on the floor, and you realize, you're like, dude, that's probably like $5 million right there. And it's, it, you can't not have it cross your mind. Maybe that could be your criminal... Uh, no criminal, way. Criminal dream right there. <laughs> no way, dude. I'm telling you, the last state... In the union that I commit a crime like that in is Nevada. <laughs> Dude, I'm just telling you, you do not want to be in a Las Vegas jail, man. Clark County is the real deal. Those are hardened ass criminals in there, dude. I want nothing to do with it. Dude, the crime in Vegas, <sighs> dude, it's next level. It's a real city. Like, it's like, that's, and that's part of it. And it's like where every jerk from every state goes to be a jerk. So some of the crimes they deal with there, I would not want that. I just, the balls on that, to rob a casino. I mean, these were strip casinos. New York, New York was the latest one. You're in the center, you're gridlocked on the center of Las Vegas Boulevard right there. What is it? The MGM's on the on the next side of you, and I believe it's the Luxor on the other side. This is some of the busiest real estate on Las Vegas Boulevard. Like, that exit strategy, although it worked... That, I mean, that had to be perfect storm scenario stuff, unless did you pay off the taxi guy to be on the right side of the street? Did you pay off the taxi guy? Is it your buddy? And he was actually on the, what would it be there, Sahara and Las Vegas Boulevard, maybe? And he was on the side street? Maybe that's what happened? But they used to say that the, that, that the furthest distance between two points was a kidnapper and his money. But I gotta tell you, I think stealing from a Las Vegas casino, there are easier, I think you'd be You'd probably get away robbing a bank easier than you would robbing one of those casinos. Oof, man. Hats off to that guy, man. Like, dude, run for your dear life, dude. I hope you get to spend at least some of that money because when they catch you, they're throwing the book at you. You don't have to steal anything. We're going to give you $1,000 at 10 after 10. Teresa will give you your next keyword. Aside from that, we're done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning on Rock 106.9 at 6 a.m. See you.
The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Hey guys, you got Stansberry here. When you get in a car accident, the first thing you think is, I can't believe this idiot just hit me. The second thing you think is, 